two, one, and we're back. Welcome back, football mezzanine fans. This is Tristan and Ansh. Uh, Shrikar unfortunately can't make it to us for uh, tonight because he's decided to do a ten percent quiz. Uh, I know, right? It's only worth ten percent, mate. Get yeah, over here. Loser. Take the shot and uh, do the podcast. Get your priorities straight. That's how but, it should work. Uh, we're back starting off with the Manchester Derby. A big one uh, on this weekend with a uh, like a blowout Perfect. as far as I was concerned. Uh, Game-wise went. Uh, Man City all over Man U. Uh, what were your thoughts, Anch? My thoughts? Yeah. I don't have any thoughts. You want I just to summarize it in three joy words. Joy in three words? Yes. Okay. Uh, David Silva... I'm going to say names, not words. Okay. David Silva, Aguero, and Gundogan. Those are my three words. Okay, I'll count and... David Silva as one. <laughs> okay, he is one. He's but... one with Bernardo Silva. So... The two Silvas are beautiful to watch. And Man City in this game were beautiful to watch. And Man United in this game, fans cover your eyes, honestly. <laughs> it was... Let me just give you like a single stat from the game. I know you're the stat guy, but... I. Just, just one You're stat. Stealing my role here. What am I gonna have to do? Yeah, you might as well. Just, I can just with Until a single person seasons, podcast. I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when when Man City scored their first goal in the twelfth minute or something, it was they had ninety one percent possession, and they had completed ninety six passes compared to Man United's six passes. That's six passes that's, in twelve minutes. That's ridiculous. Actually, yeah, building off the stats there, I remember hearing something where it was uh, Lukaku and Sanchez, I think, had something like a combined four passes uh, in the game. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you have Phil Foden who goes on two minutes, gets seven passes. Yeah, it just sums it up, man. That was like the easiest derby I've ever watched in my life. I'm I'm like the most nervous person when it comes to watching games, even though I know we're, we're like on our best form. Mm-hmm. But... This game, I wasn't even like, I don't think I was ever nervous except like that little ten minute spell. But even then, I wasn't really as nervous as I was last time we played them when we lost three two, because even when we conceded, we still looked in control. Like when Martial scored that penalty, a lot of people were thinking it could be a repeat of last season. But they never really gave United a single chance. That was their only shot on target, by the way. That pen. Speaking of that penalty, uh, Ederson, that's his second mistake now in two games. I think he committed a a similar mistake in the prior game as well. Is that right? He did. He he did pretty much the exact same thing. And it it, it is a blot on his record because it's kind of annoying because half our goals this season that we've conceded have been, like, penalties. Yeah. So that's, that's not nice. That's kind of annoying, actually. I, I'm sure Guardiola had a go at him uh, because in such an important game, you can't make silly mistakes like that. And it seems like he does... He's always on the edge of doing that, you know, mm-hmm. like rushing out and getting the player. But since he's he's just like that type of goalkeeper that's always going to come out in any situation, like that's always prone to happen. You know what I so mean? So I was reading some of the comments on Reddit. Uh, they were mentioning that I think on the... I, I'm not sure if it was the Premier League sub or another one, but uh, there was a bunch of people saying that he's probably just bored in the nets. Yeah, I read that like, too. Uh, just like the equivalent of, like, say, like FIFA, uh, where you're playing like an 11 v 11 side, where each player person <laughs> controls like a, a separate individual player. Someone's the goalie, and they just get bored, so they just start coming <laughs> out and charging. Just holding, Yo, honestly, like, though, holding the triangle button. <laughs> he didn't have a single like save to make. Like it's ridiculous. 
I, I, I sympathize with him. Like, I'd be bored if I was playing in that Man City team because, I mean, the only thing the goalkeeper has to do is play ridiculous passes. Like, yeah. some of the passes he played in this game were just crazy. Like, he knocked it up all the way to the other corner flag where Sané was waiting. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I can get it. I, I get why he's bored. Um, Didn't Pep tear into him last game? I don't know if he teared into him, but... I'd like right. another Amazon Amazon Prime documentary to find out. That would be nice. <laughs> but, but, I mean, other than that, though, it was a pretty uh, stellar game for Man City. I mean, Man U's not an easy side, and I'm not sure whether just Man U played brutal this game or it was just Man City playing that well, and it just made Man U look like they played kind of like shit. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a question that pretty much everyone debates over after a game like this. That's true. But I think in this case... It's a combination of, A, you have to acknowledge that United didn't have their best midfield player, which was the player that got them back into this game last year, which true, was Pogba. Yeah, Pogba's a huge, huge loss And look, coupled with the fact that Lukaku was off form, so he was on the bench. Sanchez yeah, was probably rested for after midweek because they had such an intense game. I'm not sure why he was on the bench. So a midfield three of Fellaini, Matic, and Herrera was just no match like come on like that's not that's not gonna get close to city's midfield and they didn't even get close bernardo silva david silva could do literally whatever they wanted on the field they were having a field day sterling and mares were doing like step overs aguero smashing it in from the corner which a lot of people say de gea should have saved but it was so much power that I, I feel sorry for De Gea. Like, yeah, I mean, to be fair, every goal has got kind of his, his rough moments too. You can't be on top form all the time. But uh, yeah. just, yeah, I mean, that game, Man City was all over them. They started them in every single category. You could pick one randomly, just uh, throw a dart at it, and you'd get Man City leading. And uh, Martial, the... at least uh, putting one in, continuing the form. He's been uh, kind of the top man for Man U in the past uh, successive games, at least from what I know. Like yeah. I noticed, he's. I think he's back to his first season form where he was first signed. He was like mm-hmm. the man that they looked to to get them into games, back into games, or win them games. And he is like that player for them right now too. Like you know, yeah. in Juventus and, too, he kind of sparked that whole comeback, even though he didn't score. Um, and again, he calmly put it away the pen this game. And uh, what I was going to say, uh, Manish has also been kind of uh, rough around the edges. He's had a pretty... He's uh, had a shit season. Yeah, he's been... <laughs> a lot of people are saying that he's had basically... Like, the amount they pay, they paid for half a good season from him, pretty much. Like, How much last... did they pay for him? Like, 40 mil or something? Oh, yeah. like And I think that was something like 40 million pounds or something like that. They paid a lot, and that's why Chelsea sold to him. Well, two reasons. One, kind of as a thank you for the years that you've done with us. And thank also, you. But uh, more so also for the money. I mean, they got a lot for him. And at the time, I was actually kind of... Part of me was like, yes, you know what? The funds are pretty good, but kind of against it because it was kind of a pivotal point for us and really gave us kind of like depth in the mid. But uh, oh, yeah. right now, it seems like uh, potentially a good sell at this point. I mean, right now, Chelsea aren't even playing with a DM. They're just playing with yeah. Jorginho, which isn't really a DM. But Yeah, and Nicola yeah. Conte is kind of now free to move forward. Yeah, he's like more of an attacking midfielder, which is interesting. Yeah, but, but we'll uh, actually get to Chelsea more in depth We'll get to on. Chelsea, yeah, you're right. But what just amazes me is how like someone like Matic, who you would say was like 
one of the most consistent players in the Premier League, you know? Yeah. Especially when he was at Chelsea. And when he has, like, game after game after game where he's garbage, like, that should make you question whether something else is really going on. Because What's interesting, too, is he's under Mourinho, which is basically what exactly. he's known for the Premier League. So you'd exactly. think if anyone can get the best out of him, it would be Mourinho. But Exactly. So I really have no clue what is making every single player at United, bar like one or two, play so poorly every single game. Now, let's be fair to Man U, I think, here. They've had a good recent upturn of form, and everyone, I think, or at least we definitely, uh, we talked about it this, I think, last time, that we expect Man U to lose to City in this match. Oh, yeah, Uh, for sure. To Juventus, we were actually saying, like, you know what, it's not clear-cut, but they ended up pulling the win out on that one. Yeah. So it's not a huge loss. It's not a big hit. They're far from being, like, in trouble, especially if they can kind of continue their their upward trend of wins they'll get back out uh of kind of like the the bad zone for Mourinho (laughs) yeah but I guess but I don't know if they'll make the top four this year actually I don't think they will make top four yeah I I, it I mean there's a lot of games to go so it really does depend but yeah top four especially with such it being such a close title race up at the top like I think I can I think we can safely say that three of the top four are essentially locked down to the three unbeaten teams right now. You know, it's very early. I'm very afraid of saying that. But it is, if they continue their their fine form that they have now, their undefeated form, uh, then potentially, yeah, it can continue. Like, they'll, it'll be locked down if they just kind of continue it. I agree. But, like, Arsenal's yeah. doing well, and they're still up there. And that puts in fourth. Yeah. Spurs and then, aren't very far off at all. Exactly. And That's then you have, like, those two. Right off the bat. Exactly. And I don't think United can break that. That so five. Europa, I think, would be a reasonable bet. Uh, yeah. This year, I think what they're going to have to do summer-wise is they're going to have to rebuild, regroup, and kind of go with a strategy of kind of getting a, this is how we're going to play, this is how the kind of players we want to play that form, everyone needs to learn it. I think they need it's a regrouping, a big regrouping. But that's literally what they do every summer for the past four summers. It's like, oh, another disappointing season, we have to regroup kind in the of, summer. I guess. And then they just... They try to, but the, it never ends up working. Yeah, they've out. been they've been hoping a manager will kind of like bring in that form and get everyone together. But I feel a lot of the players just they're not matched well for whatever system they're trying to pull. And I find Mourinho is pretty good with kind of taking like players that are underdeveloped or not as good and bringing the best out of them. Whereas I don't know uh, the it's it's a rough season for uh, Marino, but we'll see what happens. Though they again they have been on fine form at least as of late. Or well, fine they've been on better form. <laughs> so, but this I one guess. was this one expected. I'm not even going to chalk anything to this. They're far from being in a rut right now. Uh, Man City deserved to win this, but they were expected to as well. Especially with Man City's form, they've been impeccable. I don't know how, but they picked it up basically from last year. They're better than last year. It's insane. Yeah. I don't know just, how he does it, man. It's not even the he points gets, to the wins. It's the quality that they play each game. While yeah. Winning. I don't know how he gets his players motivated for every single game, every three days. I mean, obviously, a derby is easy to get motivated for, but, like, yeah, they treat every game like it's, like, a final. The amount of intensity the players are playing at is just ridiculous. Like, every single player is on form. Like, there's not a single player right now who is playing, like, eh, you know, yeah, he's good. Like, they're at the very, very top of their game. Yeah. David Silva is 33 years old, but, like, he's playing the best he's ever played. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's something special. It's like I don't think we'll see anything like this for a while. Like, enjoy it while you can is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, as even as a neutral, like it's it's something special. I guess to uh, kind of wrap this up, do you put anything on Pep choosing Mares over Sane? Interesting question, but yeah, I mean, I think Sane has been sort of under the pecking order just the entire season. Actually, mm-hmm. it's not just this game. Uh, Mares has been ahead of Sane for most of the season because just simply because Sane has been poorer than Mares like he yeah. he's still developing as a player so it's like true, yeah. don't read too much into it but like Mares is more experienced he has uh more of an end product as of right now it's true and yeah like I'm sure Sane will get back in the team if he keeps working hard he's only like 21 or 22 oh yeah he's got plenty of years uh, are you happy though that Mara's? I know at the beginning you were wondering why they bought him, but uh, do you think uh, it ended up working out to be a good buy? I mean, he's playing well, so I can't really argue with it. The and it gives you the another only... option up at the front too, right? Yeah, especially for if sure. someone's not playing up to par, you at least have a rotation system in there. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't know whether the the buy of Mares has made Sane play a bit poorer yeah. or whether the buy of Mares has compensated for the fact that he's been playing poor, you know, like I'm kind of confused, but like, it's good. Like we're winning games and everyone's playing well, so it works out. So how about uh, we move on just for time's sake and quickly uh, cover maybe a couple of the other games and then uh, go into the deep dive. Let's do it. All right. So let's just quickly jump into the Arsenal Wolves one. Uh, good match, especially for Wolves. One, uh, one tie. Against uh, Arsenal, who's been pretty good this season. They've, yeah. Uh, Wolves has um, kind of shocked me this season. I didn't expect this out of them, at least. Yeah, I honestly, I thought Wolves and Fulham were the two promoted teams who would kind of be in the top half of the table. And Wolves are proving me right. Fulham are at the very, very bottom. Oh, yeah. So, Their whole other issue. <laughs> but yeah, Wolves are not scared of any of the top six. Like... They were the other team other than... They were the only team other than Liverpool that took points off Man City. So they're a quality, quality team. I think, if anything, um, they probably throw some fear in the top six side because... They I mean, definitely the do. go either way. They have so much quality in the in their top line. Like, it's scary. You yeah. can't leave them alone. And that's what Arsenal did. They got caught out, caught out in a counterattack. Mm-hmm. And they got punished for it. But expect Wolves to keep improving this year, honestly. And a, maybe even challenge for, like, the top six in a couple of years because their team is so good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to say it's an unfortunate draw for Arsenal because they uh, they just punished them kind of in possession and passes alone. Like, you had uh, 72% possession for Arsenal out of uh, and then 28 for Wolves, obviously. And then they had 734 passes, which were almost double of what uh, Wolves had. I think actually double. Yeah, and I mean, they were about to lose until Mkhitaryan equalized, so that keeps their sort of unbeaten run going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least they were able to self the yeah. draw off that one. Yeah, so they're they're still in the hunt, and Emery continues to do a good job for me. Even though this was a, a minor setback, uh, I still think they're going to be very close to Tottenham for that last spot in fourth place. Mm-hmm. And especially with them having a Europa League, like him rotating pretty much his entire team for the Europa League and still getting the wins over there. 
is yeah. like a huge bonus for them. They have a deep squad too. So yeah, Arsenal looking thinking... good. And then what I was going to I was going to say uh Lacazette got called up to the French national team too, uh if I remember correctly. But then he withdrew. Exactly. He was true. Yeah. Do you know why he was So I think it's just injury. Oh, but like okay. so many players do that now. They're like I just have a small injury so I can't get Which I guess up. is fair. I mean, if Which makes sense. You don't want to yeah. sometimes potentially strain it then not be able to play in the club and also not really be able to help much for your team. I mean, you could yeah. alternatively accept and maybe go on the bench or something like that, but I mean, if you're going to take a spot of someone who can actually play, I I guess I don't see why, right? Unless it's yeah, the World exactly. Cup or something and you're 50% yeah. fit or something. Like I feel like if there was a club game coming up, they wouldn't be injured. But since it's the international break, they would choose to go with that injury. That's yeah. what I feel like happens a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. So I guess uh, honor of Shrikar, let's move on to the Liverpool Fulham game. <laughs> to honor Shrikar, <laughs> we can just skip it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? He's not here. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll maybe put like a minute in. So uh, Liverpool wins two nothing against Fulham. Uh, absolutely. I mean, completely outshot them. Twenty one right to eight. Uh, possession again, passes all higher. I mean, uh, we yeah. have uh, Shakiri and Salah scoring. Shakiri's been great for them. He's they were a great, or he was a great buy, especially for the price. I think they paid for him something like twenty five million euros. Or I thought it was like thirteen million, like pretty much. Nothing. Oh, maybe even less. Oh shit, or was yeah. that pounds or something? I thought. I think thirteen uh, million is way too cheap for him. Oh yeah, it, I mean Stoke were relegated. They had to let him go, so yeah. I, I get why. It's true, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's been the great. The Cube's been doing though. well. Uh, um, they had to bounce back after that horrible game in the middle of the week. They had to. Yeah. Otherwise, people will be like, crisis. But oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a crisis after all. Uh, they're still unbeaten in the Premier League. And yep. One of the only shock games. is they only won 2-0, honestly, because they destroyed Fulham except, except that offside goal. Yeah which was very, very close. And I know a lot of Fulham fans are pissed off about that. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess since we won't be talking about this game, uh, speaking of pissed off, that uh, interview, that post-match interview by... Uh, was Charlie Austin? Yeah, by Charlie South- Austin oh. for Southampton. Uh, Southampton. Southampton, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I so yeah, freaking loved it. If listening who didn't see, uh, go check it out. I mean, every question that the reporter gives him, he somehow just kind of spins back to being pissed off, and it was about the ref uh, and being the ref's fault entirely. He's probably going to get charged, but fuck that, man, because the refs <laughs> have to take responsibility for their mistakes. If the players have to take responsibility, why don't the refs have to take responsibility? It's literally like we're not living in the dark ages where you don't have free speech. It's literally... You can't even say a word against the refs. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Like he said, the ref cost him two points, which is objectively like true. Mm-hmm. He said the ref made a mistake. Like, what's wrong with saying that? He did. The FI, if anything, the ref should come out and say like, yeah, I made a mistake instead of charging the player for it. Yeah, one of his comments was basically along the lines of the Premier League has like some of the best like best quality football in the world. Uh, should have the best refs in the world. Why can't they be trained better? Go train them, basically, to be better. Or he says, like, get them the help they need. Like, get yeah. them VAR, because they clearly need help. His words. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why they didn't try and run it through this season, but uh, I guess they're still trying to make sure that all the kids The FA is out. a joke, man. The FA is honestly a joke. 
I can't stress it enough. But yeah, so clinical win for Liverpool. Uh, I guess that moves on to uh, two games left that we really wanted to cover. Uh, one of them being just, I guess, Spurs quickly. Uh, one nothing win for them against Crystal Palace. Again, one Crystal fourth. Palace only seems to turn out for Liverpool, according to Shrikar, So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't have much to say about this game except a great um, confidence boost for young defender Juan Foyth. Yep. Pretty much unknown. Uh, I barely even knew him, but... Oh, I he... didn't until basically this game, so... Yeah, but he scored the only goal to win the game, mm-hmm. and I saw, like, a nice video where everyone was congratulating him after. It was great to see. Uh, yeah, it Spurs win 1-0. It, kept... it was good because it kept them on pace, too, in the league. Seems of, like all uh, their wins in the league have been like one nil, one nil, two one. But like exactly, it just keeps them on pace, so it's yeah. Okay. Because right now they're sitting at fourth on the table with twenty seven points, uh, just one behind Chelsea and uh, yep. three behind Liverpool at second. So they're still in yeah. good position. And I mean, all the kind of media hype has been around Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea just with the unbeaten streaks. Yep. But uh, Tottenham's been right there and uh, just not getting as much tension as I guess they should. But uh, well, it's been a weird season for them because they've done so well, yet they've done so poorly at the same time. Yeah, compared to the top three. <laughs> in the Champions League. Oh, like, yeah, it's yeah. It's been a disaster for them. Yeah. That, yeah. But, that was a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Spurs win. What else? It's our Chelsea game now. Chelsea yeah, Everton, right? getting into the Chelsea, which will actually tie into our deep dive uh, later on. But uh, just getting into this one, it was a draw for Chelsea, so not what they would have hoped for, not what they would have liked, but nevertheless continues the unbeaten run uh, and actually gave Maurizio Sarri a uh, new Premier League record, which was previously held by, I uh, can't remember the manager's name, but it was not Nottingham in nineteen early 1990s, uh, which is basically new manager coming in the season, longest unbeaten streak, and prior it was 11. This game made it 12. So congrats to him on getting that uh, result. I mean, complete turnaround for them. Uh, unfortunately, Would you say game... he smoked that record out of the books? <laughs> you know, that was I'd pretty say good. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Thanks, man. But uh, yes, and Pickford in this game playing incredible. Just so many nice saves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's... He's just, he's a legend. He's a legend. I love Jordan Pickford. Just, I, I can't think of Pickford without think of him yelling at that, uh, in that Croatia game in the World Cup, you know? Oh, yeah. Against Mandzukic. I don't know if you remember, but he's a lad. He's a proper lad, Jordan Pickford. And he saved Everton in this game because yeah. Chelsea actually played really well. Then on another day, they might have gotten the win. Yeah, I know. Unfortunate circumstance for them especially because if they won this it would have pushed them into the lead i think or uh um above liverpool uh, just on goal difference yeah oh yeah 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 exactly they would have gotten it well yeah they would have at least pushed them sorry into the second place i think yeah prior they would have played before min city i think they would have pretend like temporarily <laughs> pushed them i don't know it doesn't matter either way it would put them <laughs> in second place but uh yeah. now they're two points behind liverpool uh, still with a higher goal differential than Liverpool, though, uh, which is kind of nice to see because the their goals for, they have the second highest goals for in the league, and I mean this was a big issue last season because they didn't have, well, a high goals for they were actually pretty poor on that end. Yeah, and but uh, now they look, 
this draw hurts them a lot because they're pretty much out of the title race. <laughs> yeah, season's over. Done. <laughs> it in. I'm just, just honestly though, like the form that City are in, you you guys need to win these games. Is what I'm trying to we say. We do. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I, we but, honestly do, and I I don't think it's realistic for Chelsea for the season to get the title. I think it would take a bit of luck, honestly, uh, in order to. And uh, even with Liverpool now, if Man City keeps this form up, I don't even think Liverpool has a shot at it either. Uh, and yeah. I was picking Liverpool at the beginning of the season to win it. So we'll I see was what too. happens after kind of like the uh, December break there. A lot of times things yeah, can kind of shift, especially with a big break. You can kind of get a shift at that point. That's uh, true. But this game, yeah, kind of 0-0 zero, zero draw, nothing too much to mention uh we should uh we're gonna try and keep this one a little short on tonight's end but uh bring us into i guess the deep dive at this point although before yep. we get into that i guess we there's a couple things we do want to mention uh one is uh big news out of real madrid them uh signing solari as their official head coach it's what? not actually confirmed by real madrid but it's oh, really? pretty much gonna happen yeah yeah okay. it's not confirmed by them yet yeah i think there were some big sources kind of I mean, by the time we release the video, it'll probably be official. So sure, it's official. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the future. It is official. <laughs> uh, yeah. But whether this is for just the year or for further on than that, I think what they're going to do is probably check this season, see how it goes with him. If all goes well uh, and turns it around, then they might sign him on longer or continue it longer. But yeah, otherwise, they might then switch off to another option. I think their problem right now is they don't have a viable option that they want as head coach. I think it's also interesting to note that the only reason they had to make this official because is because La Liga has a limit of 15 days for having an interim manager. Oh, so they're really? Like, oh, okay, we're running out of limit. We just have to like go for it now. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So they did Premier that. The league's been much longer than that. I mean, I remember Gus Hedding for. Yeah, you guys had a fucking Chelsea. intro for like the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> and then you guys well, had like. He brought us out of the relegation zone, basically. He did. He did. <laughs> He's done that a couple times for us. Yeah. Super yes. sub manager. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. But yeah, like at one point, Ryan Giggs was straight up like a manager and a player at the same time. Like, probably, oh, yeah, probably I really gives no that. fucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was a rough, rough go for them too. A rough period. Uh, um, but so yeah. yeah, is there anything else you want to mention before we get into the deep dive? Yeah, last thing I wanted to mention uh, was uh, Nasri. He was Nasri. Yeah, he's getting signed my... for West Ham now for uh, Pellegrini. Actually, going back to his old manager. Yeah, I think that's the only reason he's able to get back into football because of Pellegrini. Yeah, because he had a what an eighteen month ban for doping. I think. Yep. Which is a long band. Snip, that's snip. Incredible. Yeah. A year and a half. That's a, a big, sh- like, shutout. Uh, basically, I'm going to be honest. I think, I think he's going to be a good player for West Ham. Pellegrini can get the best out of him. Yeah, and I think he's still got some talent, too, that he can bring. He's to got a lot side. of talent, man. And he's... I mean, West Ham needs it this season, so. He's a cunt, but he's a great player. <laughs> like, to be honest. And what's interesting, though, is that if I remember correctly, wasn't Pellegrini the one that started to actually shut him out of City, where Pep officially just shut him out? Like, he started to lose play time under Pellegrini? Um, you might be able to confirm or deny that. At the that. very end, maybe a little bit, but I, I do remember him being one of Pellegrini's favorite players. Okay. Because he is a quality player. 
one thing he does is he protects the ball like he's his life depends on it. He won't lose the ball. Yeah. And West Ham's midfield needs someone like that, I think. Okay. But anyway, interesting signing for West Ham if it happens. I know their fans are like, what the fuck? But yeah. I think he'll be good for you guys. So just wait and see. All right. Well, that uh, covers basically our recap uh, as far as segments go. Nothing too big uh, otherwise. I mean, we had basically Juventus beating Milan. Uh, yeah. Kind of Higuain getting pissed off and... That was it. Uh, but other than the, oh yeah, and then Dortmund I guess beating Bayern as well uh, to take uh, to continue their their lead of yep. uh, the Bundesliga. But uh, this takes season. us into the deep dive now, um, which the topic we wanted to cover on this one was actually the transition of Chelsea from last season to this season. Because really, with the exception of uh, Jorginho, there wasn't too much of a, a change as far as players wise go. And uh, the whole, I mean, atmosphere, the play level, I mean, just everything is drastically different. So we kind of wanted to go into analysis of why that is and uh, what did Sari really implement in order to get this translation uh, to fruition. So uh, kind of getting Let's... into that, we noticed with uh, Conte, he was kind of more implementing this uh the 343 formation that saw them lead them to the title in 2016 to 2017 uh which was kind of a like a a unique tactical development as far as the league goes for a three-man defense but uh what sorry does is he actually uh uses a 433 formation with like two number 10s there where you see kind of like hazard and william uh playing on that end and so, uh, so what's interesting there is um not to rip on Conte because the three four three actually worked really well for him. Yeah. Like if you remember, like when he switched to it, he went on like this insane winning streak. I think like one of the best in the Premier League's history. Yeah. And after he did, like a lot of managers tried to copy him too. Yeah. Uh, because it was so successful. But so it worked well in the first season, but then after that, it it obviously dropped off. And yeah, I, I don't know if it was a system or just the players weren't happy with it so i think that was coming to an atmosphere thing between him and the players uh yeah i mean that could be i think that was one of the downsides especially when you saw him leave there was a lot of players that were calling for his basically to the club and the board for his resignation or his firing i guess uh and i feel like a lot of it came down to like personality atmosphere kind of Mm -hmm. like a yeah i'd say it was more to that internal conflict uh less so than the actual formation and that's why, actually, yep. I think part of the reason why we don't see him at Real Madrid is because Courtois was saying, I do not want him here. I came here to get away from him. <laughs> I don't and think Courtois has a say in that, though. I, I really don't I, think I think so. he has a, a decent part of it. Uh, he's going to put mean... his output. If you if you hear a coach that you, prior, like you were previously with that you really didn't like, I think you're going to mention that to kind of the president, to the board, saying, like, look, I... I don't want him. I don't think he'll be good for us, etc. Kind of thing. I, he's gonna deny those claims, but whether he said it definitely personally, for sure. Or if not, like maybe I just a don't bit think he has that say in the Real Madrid dressing room yet. Like I know Ramos could say that. I know so, when Ronaldo was there, he could definitely have that kind of influence. I don't know if Courtois has that yet. Let me clarify. He's they're not gonna do what he says, but he will voice it, and they're gonna probably consider it, like take it under consideration. I think. Maybe, maybe. Because otherwise, Antonio Conte seems like a decent grab as a coach, especially for the job, right? When it's kind of this part of the season. But I don't think he fixed Real Madrid's style of football. Like, I don't think they want another Mourinho. 
They've already he, been through he's that. He's got more and I think of an offensive can... style than Mourinho, though. I mean, a little bit, but he's still on the defensive side. I'd say. I think he was defensive a bit with Chelsea because they really did lack the offense, though. And I don't know if that. Was I this... mean, he got rid of the offense by getting rid of Costa. Yeah. I, uh... I mean, honestly, yeah, I, that was a huge hit for us. I regret that one, especially since he was he was just so good for us, and that's the big difference between the two seasons. But uh, yeah, but anyways, we're getting off topic. <laughs> Back to <laughs> as far as sorry, as far as implementing what he's done this year to really change it around, and you've seen kind of the likes of Barkley, who's been a huge uh, addition. As far as I mean, he came out of nowhere. But uh, specifically, sorry, yep. himself, he implements a 4-3-3 formation with two number 10s, which are generally like, like Willian and Hazard. And uh, what he really has emphasized is a couple of things. Uh, one is in the defensive third, he's he's kind of pushing them to do a lot more like a high press, uh, a lot more pressure kind of thing, especially in the defensive third. And the other one is he's really been pushing back to a basics, uh, which is kind of the three-man like run, like a third-man run, which is kind of a... yeah taught at youth levels and it for anyone who's not familiar you basically what happens is you get someone who say like on the center back position who will then pass it up behind one of the defensive lines whether that be like the first defensive line which could be kind of like your midfield forward scenario so you push it somewhere into the midfield and then they pass it back which then feeds to a third man running through into the open space or what you can also see uh which i can't remember if this was crystal palace that is a good example or paok um, where you have someone from the center back position who feeds it off to like our central striker, so like Murata or uh, Giroud, which then they feed it off backwards, which then feeds to a third man running kind of like Hazard or Willie and going up the line, and I believe it was Hazard in this case. Yeah, but, so uh, basically the, the trick with this is Sari loves to fizz balls around the field because he loves to move the opposition around. Mm-hmm. And this third man run that you're talking about is basically where someone fizzes a ball into the striker and the key for this is someone who has really good control of the ball like at yep. napoli he loved to do this with he had mertens he had hamshik he has uh insignia he had like the perfect perfect players for this and this is why he plays all his attacking players at chelsea he yep. plays barkley he plays Jorginho. he plays willian he plays hazard um conte sometimes would bench some of those players because yeah. he wanted a more defensive setup but he he loves that fizzing of the ball on the ground quickly to your player so the opposition's caught out and then you do a quick one two three like you said so you fizz it to the forward he quickly lays it back and then you have one of the wingers running down the sides yeah and then the person who got it laid back like usually a midfielder like maybe it could even be Conte this season because he's playing further forward or it could be Barkley yeah and then they they either feed it through the lines to those wingers or they feed it up to the striker and that that's like Chelsea's main tactic under Sarri and it, it it works because it catches the opposition out like it's very hard to stop fast passing yeah and that's the thing there's a couple things like caveats to it uh you know, one thing first off it doesn't have to necessarily be passed back it can also be a first time like touch right off to the third man as well yeah um, I remember there was this phase in games where every single game Giroud and Hazard would have like an assist or a goal together yeah where like Giroud would flick it to Hazard and Hazard after a while, he said, like, Giroud was the best number nine he ever played with because he oh, gave yeah. him so many assists. It's and true. that's the kind of feeding that the system gives you, and that's what Sarri loves to do. Yeah, and basically the tactic allows you to kind of, like, break through your first defensive line and will store, like, disorganizing your second defensive line as well, which is kind yeah. of a, a nice scenario. And as long as you're able to keep 
the 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 only caveat to this is the pace of your passes in the sense that you need to keep high quick passing and quick build up and if yeah. you don't do that then that's where they get caught off guard and then now there's an issue with it where the system doesn't work too well yeah and the players have taken it on board that, that's the biggest thing if the players can't take it on board then it doesn't matter either yeah. if they don't enjoy it or if they're not good at it you're going to do poorly and i feel like the the players he's used at chelsea are perfect for it like he he plays barkley as you said mm-hmm. he plays Jorginho in a deeper role instead of conte so he can play those deeper passes yeah and you've seen actually nagolo conte actually be able to now move forward with it and barkley's flourished yeah. under this and it really comes down with they're able to at least uh what's nice is you can move Chelsea needs to move the ball with pace and basically with speed and keep that tempo because otherwise if they're too slow then you're going to see defense like kind of close down on the players but with Conte at least we've noticed that he's been able to move up and he's pacey too and he's got an engine and he can just run forever so like it's worked well for him kind of freeing him up and moving him forward do you think the players have taken this kind of attacking tactic more on board because of Conte's like last year's coach Conte's defensive tactics so they were like this is a breath of fresh air or do you think it's just that yeah is... so that's definitely one of the reasons I would say one of the reasons I would attribute to it uh it's a nice change fresh air where you're now playing from a defensive scenario more style to an offensive style and uh that's all what they wanted to do that's what Hazard wanted to play and he's been absolutely in top form as a result of it uh and the other one, I think, has just been kind of a like an atmosphere change. I mean, one, he's lifted some of the bands that were strict, like we mentioned earlier in prior podcast, uh, strict bands that Conte, prior manage, uh, manager, had put on the team. So one that kind of boosts the morale as well of them. And uh, yeah. kind of them, I think, honestly, just a little bit of that with a better morale and them buying into it uh, really allowed them to quickly pick up this kind of like sorry ball and as a result, do well with it. Now, I think they're going to continue to get better as it goes on. Uh, but it, at this stage, they've—I mean, you can't really ask it's more. It's astounding. From, yeah, yeah. It's been a complete 180 at this point. Yeah, it's—it's. It's, I don't think I ever expected this. I, I expected him to struggle a lot during the first few games, to be honest. Yeah. Because it—it it didn't seem like it was a great summer for you guys, even though you got in uh, uh, the new coach. Yeah. I thought maybe you guys would take a while to settle in, but like they, he's just they, come in with he stormed the Premier League. Too. He came in really late as far exactly. as... Uh, and yeah. I I can only imagine maybe if he came earlier how it would have went, uh, how much better they could potentially be. But uh, if you, I guess if you wanted to sum up this whole change, Sarri's done like three things. Basically, he's changed the formation. He's repositioned players uh, while all the while placing an emphasis on quick, short passing moves to uh, play through the pressure that's uh, put on them. And honestly, it's worked well. I mean, go back to basics, and sometimes that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that's a pretty good summary of how they've changed. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's that basically recaps uh, or that covers what, uh, what I've noticed, at least, uh, as far as their play from last year to this year. And uh, um, other than that, do you, do you have any other comments or things you've noticed or you want to mention? Not particularly, but if you guys have stuff you want to mention that you think we missed, because I'm sure we missed some stuff, then oh, like, yeah. let us know in the comments. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let us know in the comments uh, down below if you're on YouTube, if you're on uh, another platform, whether they have comments or not. 
and yeah uh, i mean we'll try to find your comment among like the thousands of comments we get but if we do we'll definitely <laughs> reply exactly we'll try and find time in our busy schedule in order to to respond uh but other than that uh do you want to do the awards or are we calling it on this uh we ran a little bit over time that we planned to okay this one. yeah i have like two minutes before i gotta run but let's do golden dude and disgrace let's start with golden dude Ooh, who, okay. who do you think oh let's on see. this one i've mm, you know i could give it to any man city player but yeah. i'm gonna give it to fernandinho yeah you know what sure i'm fine with that i was gonna <laughs> give it to someone on man city i mean they were just too good in this form at least and okay yeah fernandinho is the golden dude of the week and for the next one we're going to be doing the biggest disgrace of the week brought to you by gary neville and uh that one's going to be who <sighs> do you think Anch? matic matic i was gonna say sanchez or lukaku i mean probably lukaku i mean they didn't even I'd... play the full game i guess Matic was a disgrace, man. I, I was a City fan, but I was watching and I was getting like angry. Like, what is he doing? He's not even trying. He was he was jogging the entire game. Oh, man. I wanted to actually do Pickford for Golden Dude of the Week, but it's too late now. It's too late. <laughs> you can't do it now. Yeah, it's too late now. It's already. We been could also late. do like Higuain or something. Well, we, we already Golden have, Street. I mean, the plaque already in like. In yeah, it's already engraved. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but okay, fine. You know what? We'll, we'll go with Matic for your biggest disgrace of the week. Uh, and that recaps, or not recaps, that finishes off the uh, episode for this one, which is what, 34, I think, something like that. 34th episode. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If uh, you're on one of our other platforms, we appreciate it. Uh, leave reviews or comments if uh, they're there. Uh, also, if you're on another platform that isn't YouTube, please come to our YouTube. Show us some love. Uh, hit that subscribe and like button. We... Uh, appreciate it. It kind of allows us to gauge uh, kind of how how we're doing. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, uh, for watching. You can uh, check us out next week as well. We'll be back. Shrikar should be back as well. And uh, this should, should be, be uh, Football Mezzanine signing off. Thanks, everyone.